Disclaimer, the Crimson Capsule Chapel is a podcast about awareness and self-development. Do not listen if you are weak-minded and easily offended. This podcast is from a red pill perspective. We have to go hard on 304 so you can understand their nature. Thoughts and scandal-ass women should not be tolerated. Again, listen at your own discretion. Thank you and enjoy.
Jersey Judah, <clears throat> oh man, excuse me, Jersey Judah back once again, it's been a while, what, two, three days, it's a while for me, I've been uh working, just doing the grind, it's been catching up to me, I had to take some time to recuperate, get back into the music, the shit that you heard in the beginning and the shit that you heard after is by me. As usual, Jersey Judah back in this motherfucker, Crimson Capsule Chapel. We're going to talk about loneliness. Coach Red Pill, or as a lot of his detractors would call him, Coach Cuck Pill. Yeah. Now, I've learned to look at a lot of these content creators as just content creators. Um, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of speculation and once a guy, a content creator reaches a certain point, the detractors just come out of nowhere, right? So I'm not necessarily team Coach Red Pill. I just think Coach Red Pill has a lot of informative shit, you know what I mean? And um, we're going to talk about uh, loneliness. Then I got some notes to talk about. By the way, it's 1038 p.m. You dig? Nighttime vibes, Friday. I would say this is a Friday freestyle, but I kind of have things organized here. But it might just be called Friday freestyle any fucking way. Without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Coach Red Pill. All right. Um, the exact title is called Use Your Loneliness. Use Your Loneliness. Loneliness is a new thing. It's a recent thing. And the fact of the matter is, it's a product of the success of our civilization. Oh, yeah. See, back in the days when we were like, I don't know, prehistoric, right? We were wandering around the African savanna or wherever, right? We were in our little tribe. Uh, a tribe of maybe a dozen people, maybe a hundred people, but it was relatively small. And we were just struggling to survive. Yeah, we were just, you know, rooting around to get like some whatever tuber was handy, right? Or or all of us going out in a hunting party to get some mastodon or whatever the hell, right? We were barely getting by. 
and we saw each other all the time because we we needed one another and so of course we were never lonely the, the concept of loneliness would have been completely alien to anybody in prehistory the, the concept of ever being alone of not having very strong social interactions with other people all the time well that's that's what would be happening if you're in a tribe that's barely scraping by oh yeah and the other issue of course was survival see because when you're when you're struggling to survive you, you can't afford the luxury of wallowing in loneliness oh no when you're struggling to survive you're, you're just like doing everything to claw your way to uh, the state of survival yeah or, or claw your way out of the open maw that is trying to eat you you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but when you get to a point where your civilization, you, you don't need to farm food because there's a farmer who does it and a food processing company that does it for you. When you get to a point where each person can live in their own little separate apartment or house or what have you, yeah, when you have a successful civilization as the one we have now, that's when you start to feel lonely. That's when you start to feel lonely and y y you wonder if you're the only one. You wonder... I would say <clears throat> this is a successful civilization but a very failed society think about that if you alone feel this crushing loneliness if you alone are just rejected by the entire world you feel as if the entire world is having this great party and everybody is you know having a wonderful time and you're alone in your room you know Sometimes maybe even thinking of suicide. Social media <clears throat> is a very weird thing. I've talked about this previously, I believe, where if you're a guy who's depressed, the last place you want to go is social media. Because what are you going to see there? You're going to see all the friends, quote unquote, that you have. Um, some of them having the time of their lives, right? Some of some and I there was a stage in my life where um, it's kind of funny now that I think about it. When I started my when I started my job back as a, a custodian in maintenance 2018, my oldest brother was getting married. And then I believe 2020. I can be wrong. I believe 2020 was when my other brother got married. So, you know, that whole pressure shit, like, it really doesn't work with me when, in terms of, like, my mother and, you know, her wanting me to find somebody. And I'm telling her that for somebody like me, who's, like, not a dummy to this shit, I'm not just going to settle with anybody. I've talked about it before. Sometimes... Your best option is to throw in a towel. Because what happens is you become so so lonely that you reach out to anybody. And anybody and everybody is 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 not gonna be your ally. So that's something to remember. Um <clears throat> loneliness is very difficult to explain. <coughs> because there's times as a man where you're alone. And I bring this up with isolation, like a positive form of isolation, almost like a decompressing 
um, a decompression stage where you become comfortable in your own skin, comfortable in your own company, because what other choice do you have? Do you want to be that person who just reaches out to any and everyone and gets fucked, gets fucked over? I mean, not proper fucked, like fucked over. So I think that loneliness comes from that separation that we have from one another, ironically, from our phones and social media. Things that are supposed to keep us closer together, ironically, keeps us closer apart because we think we know how somebody's doing because they're posting it. And a lot of times you kind of, you sort of just assume people are okay in that sense, right? Oh, well, you know, we just saw a post. You're not going to call the person. You're not going to see the person because you see what they're already doing. If that makes sense. I'm here to tell you that everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. At some point or another in their lives, every person in this society that we're living in, this incredible civilization that we are lucky enough to enjoy, every single one of us feels that way. We feel as if the whole world is at some party that we weren't invited to. Yeah. And we're stuck at home watching TV or playing a video game or jerking off or whatever the hell. That's not the case. That's not the case. But, but, loneliness is a problem and it happens to all of us at some point or another. The trick is to use your loneliness, to use it for something productive, to use it rather than to squander it. And that's an excellent point. So, like, like I said, this past, what, two days I've just been working. And then I wasn't sleeping good (coughs) throughout that week. Maybe three, if I'm lucky, four hours of sleep a night for working, you know, close to 10-hour shift. You know, 10-hour shift uh, Monday through Thursday with Fridays off. And what's crazy is now that I think about it, Monday is when, you know, all these people come in. So, like, these teachers come in and there's going to be a lot of boxes and a lot of garbage and a lot of moving around. And then that Friday, next Friday will be the last Friday that I have off, if I'm not mistaken. And then the week after that, we come back in 2.30 until 10.30 to prepare for another school year. And it's already been close to me being here, being at the job for for a year. And the only positive thing that I see so far is that the new supervisor seems cool. Like, he doesn't seem like a prick. I don't think he's going to be that big of a deal, that big of a, uh, that big of a problem. Um, it's also going to be kind of weird because the guy that I've been working with for nearly a year now, he's going to my town where I'm at right now. He's going to work at my, my town school district, making probably close to twice as much. But all those things, man, like I have to find something to separate myself from that. Uh, podcasting's good, but when I find myself in a funk to where I'm just complaining and shit, that's when I know, all right, it's time to unplug for a while. It's time to decompress. 
Um, loneliness comes from, for me, and I'm just being real with y'all, really transparent. Loneliness for me comes from my past relationships, the effects of the past relationships, and the probability of the same um, result coming from future relationships. Tie that into <clears throat> 10 hour shifts, coming home exhausted, pretty much laying down, playing video games, whatever. Everything that nigga was saying. That's pretty much me uh, when I come back from work, even though it's 430, close to five o'clock. You know, what I mean, if I get a chance to record, then I'll record. If I don't get a chance like this past three days, I've really just been in a funk, depressed, really. That's the only way I can put it. Um, not not to say that I've never been in that situation, I think. Just as I get older, it really hits me. It's like I'm getting older, and it's just this repetitive cycle. And um, the communication that I have with people don't exist in that sense because a lot of my friends, it's just, it's it's the typical story that a lot of people tell you. You know, you because of your work hours, because you you're not around as much or the other person you hang out with is not around. It's like out of sight, out of mind. And I, and I, and that's the same pattern with a lot of friends. That's why like with friendships and shit, you know, the, the term friends is used very loosely. For example, look at, look at Facebook. A lot of people will stack 2000. I'm about to speak some real shit too. A lot of people will stack, you know, 2000, 3000 friends, but how many of those people can you actually trust? You know what I mean? How many of those people could you actually talk to and communicate with when you have a problem? And not saying a problem, a financial problem, just somebody to talk to. How many of those 2,000 to 3,000 friends can you really honestly trust? See what I mean? You tie that into a lonely man or to a lonely person's life in general. Because, hey, you got all these friends, but... None of those people give a shit about your problems. That's why with me, as I got spiritual, I had no choice but to turn to God because I didn't have anybody else. I had, and not to say that out of desperation because I've always been raised Christian, but I've definitely disconnected from that aspect. But I do believe in, you know, God and shit. You know, so I, I have no choice but to draw closer to that uh, form of serenity where it's like, fuck it. Anything that's going on, I give up. And it's not to say that God's in control or anything. It's just to say that I'm in my body. I'm breathing. I'm functioning. I'm healthy. And I got to just keep going. I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people can't. It is what it is. Because so many times you're going to have a chunk of time where you're alone and you're just going to wallow in your misery, wallow in your loneliness. Instead of using that time to develop yourself, use that time to get something out of it. 
Let me explain. See, when I was young, when I was, uh, I don't know, a teenager, a young teenager, right? Uh, 12, 13, around that age, right? There were periods where I was very, I was severely ostracized, quite frankly, right? And I was very alone. And during that period of time, it wasn't so much that I watched TV, right? Because there wasn't that much to watch, right? What I would do is I would read. I would read and get lost in the characters of the books I was reading. I would feel that their adventures were my adventures. And, and I would read and read. And it got to the point, finally, when I started reading things and thinking to myself, you know, if, if I had been the writer, I would have done it differently. I didn't even think of, the, of, of being a writer. It was more like, I wouldn't have done this in the book. I would have done something different. And from there, it was just a natural thing that I started to come up with stories, my own little daydreams. And these daydreams became an enormous source of comfort. Yeah. These daydreams became a place where I could alleviate my loneliness by, by, by filling up these daydreams with details and, and stories and events. And it was quite a natural step that from these daydreams, I began to write them down. And that's how I became a writer. It was a natural evolution of my loneliness. I filled up my time and tried to distract myself from my loneliness by way of reading. And from reading, it turned into daydreaming. And from daydreaming, it quite naturally turned into writing down those daydreams and creating daydreams, creating daydreams on purpose. And it led me to my profession. Now, see, that's what I did with my loneliness. But there are a lot of other things that you, I could have done with that loneliness. Just as a lot of things that you can do. It's not that there's, you know, one size fits all. It's different for each person. But the point I'm trying to make is that, see, if you feel lonely, don't just wallow in it. Don't just say to yourself, oh, you know, I feel miserable, I feel lonely, and try to alleviate the loneliness. Because I'll tell you right now, when you try to alleviate loneliness, it doesn't work. It just, just does not work. Uh -uh. Uh, trying to alleviate loneliness is like... Um, I don't know. I can't come up with a really clever metaphor for it, but believe me, no matter how hard you try, you can't alleviate loneliness by aiming for it. You alleviate loneliness by filling your mind with other things and from that thing that you are interested in, connecting with other people who are also interested in that thing. Uh, let me explain. Suppose you feel really lonely, right? So instead of like just wallowing in your misery at home, you decide to take up running. You start running, you know, running around the block, running around the neighborhood, you start running more and more. I mean, you feel lonely, but at least you're doing a physical activity. And the running makes you feel good, which is quite natural, right? You know, you're, you're running, you're exerting yourself, you're sweating, and you start to feel better physically. And quite naturally, as you continue on this routine of running every day, you're going to start to meet other people who are also interested in running. And you're going to wind up, you know, getting together and saying, hey, why don't we uh, all drive up together to New York and run the marathon there or whatever. You see what I'm saying? And quite naturally, you're going to have more friends who are interested in the same things that you are interested in. And all of a sudden, you're going to discover that you're not lonely anymore. You see, I've noticed that a lot of people who use their loneliness productively wind up getting to a place where they are no longer lonely through the thing that they discovered during their loneliness. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So let me just pause there. 
because we're just over halfway through this. I want to say a couple things. Um, for me, <clears throat> when I started, when I started making music, it was because of my older brother, because he was making beats, and in the basement growing up, Mama Dukes growing up, you know, his room would be the basement. And the basement had this little sewage closet. Well, actually had several closets. He turned that into a booth and made it a studio. And I kind of sat down in the basement growing up when I was in maybe like, you know, um, I would say, if I can remember, probably eighth grade or something like that, watching my brother make beats. And I kind of just watched him. And then once I was able to convince my mom at that time to get me a laptop, my brother was able to get me a cracked copy of uh, Fruity Loops for those that make beats that know that program. And I kind of just grew up off of that. I taught myself how to make music. All the bad shit I've gone through in life Almost in chronological order, I can think of a a beat that I've made during that time that somewhat helped me get through what I was going through. And it's it's perfect with the 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 music I make today because it's the same situation. It's like every every person has to find a cope through their loneliness. That right there is the trick because every person is gonna feel lonely. In fact, a lot of people, ironically enough, the married men in some cases, feel most lonely because they're the ones that made the commitment. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. Uh, Sexless marriages. You can be in a relationship with a toxic person and feel more alone than by yourself single in a lot of cases. We're only scratching the surface of this, but I'm saying with music for me, that became and still is without a doubt. Uh, video games, when you're, when you're lonely and you're depressed, video games is not really the thing for a lot of people. It may be for me. It's not video games is for when I'm cool. I'm straight times where I'm not like, I I don't feel like playing video games. Like I said, past two days, I didn't even feel like podcasting. I just said, fuck it. You know what I mean? Cause I know me. And I don't want to, you know, act the ass completely or just make myself look terrible. But, you know, guys go through loneliness more so now than ever. Your average above average men are going through loneliness. Now, what's funny is, which which was isn't funny at all, but <clears throat> the fucked up thing about it is that outreach doesn't necessarily exist. Oh yeah. Suicide hotline. Like, come on. You know, there's just numerous, I I mean, there's probably numerous amounts of reasons why somebody would commit, you know, that act said it before, uh, close friend, best friend killed himself. 2012. I swear to God, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, uh, tear up and get emotional. But, you know, best friend killed himself, 2012. Left me puzzled, 
perplexed, but I I wasn't able to. It was it wasn't like a responsibility. It wasn't like a guilt thing because like he was just automatically on his own path to wherever he was going. He had opportunity to do good, but you know. Because of different circumstances, who are you to judge anybody else's decision to do whatever, especially if it's, um, you know, defending themselves or things of that nature. But you need things to sort of cope as especially as a man. See, women can go up to people and talk about how lonely they are and how and people will attend to that person as a man. If you say that. You become a mental midget, right? You become weak. You become less of a man. And it's a funny thing that women talk about uh, respect. Women talk about equality. But, you know, when men talk about these issues, it's 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 not the same thing. It's that double standard once again. You know, fat shaming is only aimed towards men, you know. There's a fat guy. Every Every man, I mean, every woman will make fun of that guy. But back to what I was saying, especially with my relationships, I've made not not really made because I've had laptops like completely fried, uh, broken screens, throwing laptops, dropping laptops. But. I pretty much had like a playlist or just like a list of like my own music that I can think of just from a past relationship. You know what I mean? Because that's how much I invested in with music because that really became a cope. It's not just listening to music for me. It's the it's the ability to make something. It's like I it's like. Something I like to do, it's like I actually make something of myself doing it. It's not fucking work. You know what I'm saying? It's something that you actually take pleasure in doing. And even at, in some cases, your worst time, that's the best outlet that there is um, on an introverted level because you're creating something. You know what I'm saying? Now, the reason why I say video games isn't really good or uh, TV isn't really good is because our society's fucked. So if somebody's depressed or if somebody's going through a break, a guy's going through a breakup, the last thing he's going to want to watch is TV. You know what I mean? Any fucking couple, any couple that he sees is just going to be a reminder for certain guys. But I think this is more like, this is more like perpetuated to like incels where, where I've heard um, Elliot Roger in the manifesto and a lot of other incels. And the reason why I'm tying in Elliot, Elliot Roger to him, because they do have that similarity of some of them, not all of them have that similarity and expecting something from bitches, but you got to find ways to fight your loneliness or I mean, there's certain there's certain things that I do, but I may get into that um, another time. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I try to record, and I just couldn't do it just the past couple of days. 
It was such an empty feeling that I had, and I couldn't really explain what it was. I think it's just too much black pill shit, too much red pill shit. <laughs> like, dead ass. I think it's just too much, man. Sometimes it, 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 it catches up to you. You know what I mean? Because you, you'll sit back, like, tonight's Friday night. It's 11.03, but I don't really give a fuck about it anymore, but... You know, me prior, I would have been very upset, very depressed. You know what I'm saying? But I never been in a, I never been in a position like an Elliot Roger, who will see a couple and get upset. Like TFL guys say the same shit. They can't stand seeing couples. I don't really mind it. I don't live their lives, so I don't see. Like for me, I can only care. And this is going to sound self-centered in a lot of ways, but I can only care for myself and what I'm making going forward. You know, that's that realization and that's that harsh reality that a lot of guys got to deal with. You got to get that Disney fairy tale shit out of the way. Matter of fact, we're going to play Wheat Waffles after this because um, I believe I have a video from Wheat Waffles. But let's just finish off. Well, we're not going to finish it off completely because, you know, I'm going to still talk shit. It's 11.04 p.m. Let's continue. If that makes any sense. So in my own case, it was writing. and the hypothetical I just created, it's running. It can be anything. But you, you get into something to distract yourself from the loneliness that is productive. And that's the key issue. Okay? Because... It's, it serves no purpose to be filling your time trying to assuage your loneliness with something that is unproductive or outright destructive. Suppose you feel lonely and you start shooting up heroin. Is that productive? Obviously not. It's incredibly destructive, right? Yeah, you're filling up your loneliness. You no longer feel alone. You feel high, but it doesn't add to you. Trust me. Coming from um, me, ex-girlfriend, heroin addict, last girlfriend actually, heroin addict, not just the ex, the last girlfriend, heroin addict, um, pretty much watched her throw her life away. Problem was, my weak-minded ass got attached to the bitch, so I couldn't just like, you know, skedaddle and move on with my life. You know, drug addicts, especially female drug addicts, they got a good way of manipulating and gaslighting. Making you feel guilty about you not driving a bitch somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through it. Now, I never did it personally at all. I don't fuck with any of that shit. THC, beer, not even like hard liquor. That's it. Cigarettes are my vice, unfortunately. But I... I don't know, man. That that Ultimately, you kind of have to find your way through that. But if I can just be realistic and say that I go through it, I think that's making a first step because a lot of people don't really talk about this shit, especially men. And I think our society, you know, that pretty much puts us in a barbaric position 24-7. We're just looked at as like, you know, 
no emotions, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, guys, man, guys get themselves built up, built up all this emotions, put all this effort into a relationship, lose track in their jobs, their careers, girlfriend breaks up with them, lose their job, and what else is next? Now, suppose that to alleviate your loneliness, you start, uh, I don't know, obsessively playing video games or obsessively masturbating. Does that help? No, it doesn't. It's not destructive like heroin addiction is, right? No, of course not. But it's not productive. You're not getting anything out of it. You're just passively playing a video game. Yeah? And, and frankly, you know, this argument that, oh, maybe I could become a professional video game player. Oh, fuck that. You, you and I know that that's so much daydream bullshit, right? Playing a video game, obsessively jerking off the porn, that is unproductive. Reading, on the other hand, reading and writing, or just reading alone, because the information that you gather from reading can be valuable at some point in the future, if only to stretch your mind, right? Or doing any activity where something is built inside you, that's the way to alleviate your loneliness, okay? Doing things that are unproductive, that do not give you anything in return, that only sort of like maintain the status quo, well, that's not the way to alleviate loneliness. Now, it's up to you to discern, discern or determine what is a useful and productive uh, thing to do in your loneliness and what is a destructive thing to do in your loneliness and what is and what is just of no use to you okay that's up to you but it's pretty obvious i mean you don't need a roadmap if you're gaining something out of it some piece of knowledge or experience if you are learning new things then that's productive and you're playing video games, that's fucking unproductive. But okay, I'm not going to belabor the point because I think it's pretty clear. You should look at loneliness as a period to develop who you are. Use the time to do things that are valuable to you. Don't fritter away the time. That's, that's something that um, retrospectively, I, I realize that I frittered away a lot of my time. Yeah, because when you're young, you think you have all the time in the world. When you're young, when you're like, I don't know, 19, 22, 27, 32 even, you know, when you're young, you think that time is endless. But the fact of the matter is that time is awfully short. And the time you feel lonely at the time that you are feeling it is going to be devastating. No question. Loneliness is one of the worst emotions imaginable. But the time you spend in your loneliness can be incredibly productive if you decide to use it productively. If you decide to just fritter it away and do nothing during the period of your loneliness, well, yeah, then, you know, it's just a waste of your life and you'll look back on it later and, and just want to smack yourself upside the head at all the time that was thrown away, where you could have been learning to play an instrument, where you could have gotten into physical shape, where you could have learned some skill, read books, all kinds of things you could have done. I'm not unsympathetic to the weight of loneliness. I, I understand it completely, believe me, because there were any number of months of my life, years of my life even, where I felt incredibly lonely, and there were enormous chunks of time that I had that I just wallowed in my loneliness. 
And now, as, as, a, as a grown man, I look at that and I, I, I just, I'm so upset with myself for not having done something with that time because I didn't. I frittered it away. And I could have done a lot. I could have gotten better at the guitar, which is an ambition I've always had. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I play a little guitar, quote unquote, but I kind of pretty much suck at it. And I realized that all the time that I frittered away, I could have used that time to have gotten really fucking good at guitar. And I didn't because I was fucking stupid. Hmm? Don't have the regrets that I have. You know, I mean, that's one regret that I have. I have tons of regrets like we all have. But see, it's, it's a regret now that I realize it could have been so easily solved. Be smart. If you're feeling lonely, don't wallow in it. Don't, don't go on and on about it. Don't be thinking, oh, you know, my life is misery and you know, I want to die. No, no, that serves no purpose. Put it to good use. I mean, if you're going to be having a shitty time, you might as well like, like, do something with that shitty time as a, just opposed to just wallowing in the shit. I mean, well said. I mean, I don't like, I don't like a lot of the guys who, who go too hard on like guys who play video games. Cause like, you got to realize for a lot of kids, there would probably be more school shootings and more violence going on if there actually wasn't for video games in a lot of ways. It's almost it's hard to explain it. But, you know, I think it's it's really some boomer shit, but I'm I'm not going to get started with that. It's really some boomer shit, though, where it's like, you know, it's a generation that doesn't understand what's really going on. I mean, they may have information, but to be in your 20s and your 30s during these times, I mean, crucial. We've seen as a as a kid and I'm pretty much looking at the elementary school I went to and then across the street from that was the middle school that I went to. You know, we went through and I say we as millennials, although I'm 33, so I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a, on the older side of the millennials, yeah. So we've grown up and seen sort of the effect of 9-11 and how people essentially came together, right? Okay, so compare that to COVID-19, and what COVID-19 did was essentially literally uh, distant, distant people. We had social distancing. And so what happens? Everybody clings to what? Social media, right? And then the Zoom calls and all this shit came, which was just all about money, essentially advertisement and shit. But that's another subject. There's, there's a point where people have literally disconnected from one another. We've connected through social media, but as human beings, we have disconnected. So that person who's just telling people, hey, I'm doing okay, I'm doing fine every day, a lot of people are just going through misery. I go through misery. I keep it all together because I'm not going out like that. I've talked about uh, my attempt, what was it, three years ago? It wasn't, I would, I would say now looking back at it, it was more of a thought, 
But just the fact that I had that thought, that scared me. That terrified me because it was like I didn't have control at that particular time. Not to say that I was willing to do anything and everything. I just wanted the pain and the suffering that I was going to, that I was going through to go away. I think that's a lot of things. It's a, it's a big thing that I've understand through people who commit these acts and who unfortunately were successful because they weren't necessarily trying to die, but they just could not handle the circumstances that they had on earth and tie that into the generation that we're in today where people are only communicating through phones. Nobody's seeing one another generally talking, generally embracing one another. You know, and with social media and with social distancing, you didn't see a lot of handshakes now, did you? You didn't you damn sure didn't see people hug. Damn sure didn't see people kiss. You see people kiss with masks, which is fucking sickening. But that's like I said, another subject. I don't want to get too much off subject because I am being serious with the subject. Which is why I'm not playing too much sounds or nothing like that. I'm obviously playing this for a reason. I think it's easier it's easy to know that somebody else is going through a problem, even though that sounds fucked up. Like I said before, in a lot of ways, I like listening to people who struggle. Because I knew, even growing up, I knew I was going to reach this point in my life. It's hard to explain. Like, I knew that there was going to be a point where I was going to be alone for a good period of time. And I, the only way that I could I can um, prepare for it was just to find other activities, find hobbies, find things that I still love to do at my age that will take me away. You know what I'm saying? That's it, it, It's going to take me away from all the bullshit. Just the thoughts. Those thoughts previous relationships, previous mistakes. Sometimes when you're going forward, it makes sense to look back, to remind yourself why you're in a situation that you're in and where you need to go going forward. See, loneliness for a man, like I've said before, and I'm not saying this because men are better and all this. No, I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying Loneliness for a man is twice as difficult, probably more so than a woman's. I think women can women control their loneliness. Men cannot in a lot of cases. Men are always put in those places, in those circumstances and responsibilities that some of these guys can't handle. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, a lot of these guys hang it up. So you kind of... It's kind of that mentality going forward. If you've really been through a funk, you know, if you're if your best friend dies or better yet, if your best friend kills himself or if you had a family member that kills himself, kills him or herself, you know what that feeling is. You know what I'm saying? It's that it's that complete emptiness that when, when people say. You know, a part of me died that day. Like that, that shit really, that's real shit. And it's like, we go through life trying to fill that void. Right. And it's like, we'll reach a point in loneliness where 
will actually will, will cling on to any anybody just for that attention, just for that affection, and and just for that warm body. And it's like, at what cost? You see what I mean? So I've learned in a lot of ways to build off of my loneliness. I've suffered from loneliness. You know what I mean? Being depressed, to me, I joked around about it. It's like, with depression, that's like default for me. Because I've reached a point where, you know, I fucked up a lot of ways, things in my life. And the only thing that I can do, I don't try to beat myself up for it, but I do have to hold accountability for that. Any and everything that I did that kept me from where I was, where I was supposed to be in life, it bitches had had a lot to do with it, but it was more of my decision to deal with those bitches. So even in my times of like complete and utter loneliness and depression. I never felt desperate. I've always kept some sort of control. Something in my head still clicks. And the fear that I have as I get older is that loneliness becomes bigger. It gets bigger and bigger. And maybe there's a part of me that can't control that aspect anymore. That's, That's what scares me. But I never, I never really talked about this, but fuck it. That's, that's the fear that I have. As I get older and get comfortable in my own company, when I reach 40 something, let's say, God willing, you know what I mean? If I reach 40 something and if I go through the same situation, would I still be able to handle it the way that I'm handling it? You see what I mean? So those thoughts always kick in. But I think, you know, me getting a chance to podcast and really talk about it is one of the ways that helps. I always bring it up and shout out to Black Ram 313 that, you know, a lot of shit that I bring up is therapeutic. Okay, anything goes in therapy. Remember that. Once again, shout out to Black Ram 313. Um... What do we have next? We have Wheat Waffles next. He's going to bring up, a, as he always does, um, very harsh realities. So I would just hit next, but I know this is organized to play the video that I'm talking about next. So we're just going to play the rest of this. $19 Fortnite card. Who wants it? The data is clear. Promiscuity is on the rise. In the 1970s, just two... Hold up. I had this car off, man. This shit got got hot as fuck out here, man. What the fuck? Still 82 degrees out here. At least that's what my, my vehicle is displaying right now. Um... Yeah, we're gonna need that air on. I'm already down to what the fuck? I gotta make sure all this shit is alright good. I'm already down to uh um... 
34 fucking miles until empty on this fucking vehicle. But I don't give a shit. I need the air on. But let's get back into the video. Matter of fact, I'll play it from... No, I'm not going to play it from the beginning. Fuck that. Percent of women had over 10 partners before marriage in the 2010. $19 Fortnite card. Who wants it? The data is clear. Promiscuity is on the rise. In the 1970s, just 2% of women had over 10 partners before marriage. In the 2010s, that number has multiplied almost tenfold to 18%. Why is this? Well, in this video, I'm going to be providing six reasons why promiscuity amongst women will only increase every passing year. Reason number one, the destigmatization of promiscuity. This is by far the biggest reason. 2,000 years ago, adulterous women were stopped. 50 years ago, promiscuous women... Oh, um, Stone, you guys already know how it is in these YouTube streets, which is why I don't participate. Plus, if I really wanted to, I probably couldn't because they've already uh, terminated one of my channels. What channel is that? Um, the Crimson Capsule Chapel channel, which I was going to actually make um, small videos and shit on there, but I don't give a fuck. Fuck that. But, um, going forward, of course, the guidelines are so strict that they have to be careful what he says. So back in the day, bitches got stoned for being hoes. That's pretty much what he was saying. Based heavy social judgments. And today, well, they're celebrated. To show some data to support this idea that attitudes surrounding promiscuity are loosening, this chart you see on your screen right now tracks the stances men and women have on one-night stands divided by age group. If we focus for just the women's opinions for a second, we see for the oldest generation, 9 out of 10 women are strongly against the idea. Meanwhile, for the two youngest generations, Half of women are at least somewhat in favour of it. It's a matter of fact, I don't even need to read any more numbers to show attitudes towards ONSs are loosening. There is a clear trend that every passing generation has a more and more relaxed view of sleeping around casually. What's more is this survey was taken over 10 years ago. Tinder didn't even exist then. I'd like to see what the most up-to-date numbers look like. I wouldn't be surprised if half the chart is green by now. This is especially true given, according to many young people today, especially those who identify as progressives, hold the belief that a woman being promiscuous is a form of empowerment. They I like that point. Progressive. I like that point. Um, yeah, these, these motherfuckers use code words and shit. Yeah, they use double speech. These bitches, they know what the fuck they're doing. When they talk about a more progressive, etc., they're talking about just women being liberated, being able to do whatever the fuck they want. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what the fuck they got to do, you know. Get pregnant only because they have the ability to get an abortion, you know. They just use it as, like, a fucking car service, pretty much. Bitches called two times a year. You know, and it's just, it, it goes to show you where guys sort of fall off. Is like, guys aren't really trying to be assholes like that. 
you know, I wasn't I wasn't destined to be an ad. Well, unfortunately, now that I think about it, throughout my life, I think I was destined to be an asshole. Not not a bad person though. It's just when people fuck me over, I do have a way of getting even. It, it's never nothing. It's it's never nothing um, too extreme. But I I am an asshole in a lot of ways. I do think the women that I've dealt with have put me on that particular plane. Where even if a woman appears to be something, I'm going to assume I'm going to assume automatically that she isn't. If a woman tells me she goes to church, my first thing is she's a freak from the from the get go, because there's no reason for you to tell me that you go to church and you are unless you assume that I'm religious. I don't believe in the church. The temple is the body. You know what I'm saying? And the body is only the control of the manifestation of the spirit. You feel me? The spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it, I take this shit very seriously. That's why bitches and I don't mind like friends who are atheists, but I can't be with a woman who's an atheist. You got to believe in something. You see what I mean? Because if you don't believe in something, then you're just willing to do anything and everything and feel that you have no consequences for it. See, one of the big things on a traditional level, why religion was so important was it because it kept people in this situation, women in line and kept women off the stripper pole, kept women out of the abortion clinic, etc. But see, today, if I talk about this now, I'm considered radical. But uh, drag queens can go into schools and read stories to kids, and that's considered, quote-unquote, uh, progressive. Now, I always found this shit funny because when more of these male talking spaces came up, it was automatically assumed that people were just on the right, were more right-wing leaning, which is why the pressure of these women being more progressive, in other words, just being more uh, promiscuous, um, guys are going to get threatened by that. I'm going to tell you why. Guys aren't trying to wife up women who've been with multiple guys and have just a huge body count. Guys who understand this shit, whether on some neo-masculinity shit or just a regular-ass nigga that heard other people talk about it, once a bitch has too many dicks, she loses the ability to pair bond. Let's not forget this one bit. Now, I also believe because of the anatomy, okay, the women have a vagina, which is essentially internal. Men have the external penis, right? So because a lot of these women are letting these men nut all inside of them, getting pregnant, multiple men, multiple partners, etc., I think it really does something to their spirit and to their body, to their starting from the womb, spreading to their body. This is this is my fucking real belief, too. I don't fucking care what people say about me, to be honest with you. Um. 
So when these women continuously do this, of course, a man, back to what I was saying, is going to feel threatened by that. Like, okay. Because what guy, like, think about it. Most guys who today, I will be honest, most guys today, they're not even going to think about it. They're just going to try to run this some pussy. But I'm saying long term. I'm talking about in the long run. LTRs, long term relationships, right? You gonna really want you really want to be with a, a woman who just looks at your dick as just a dick because she's had twenty others. She's probably had one bigger. She probably had one girthier, Pauls. You know what I'm saying? You in other words, you are just a guy. You 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 may have the mindset to compete to be the best guy that she's had, but trust me, she probably had more in this day and age. That's just a black pill for y'all. Describe it as an expression of taking back control and being able to at last obtain freedom to do what they want with their bodies. And the reason these people believe this is because in the decades prior, women didn't have these freedoms as they were unable to afford the risks involved, such as social shaming and judgments. However... Hold up, I'm going to try to park my shit up in front of the house. I'm going to try. I don't think there's a parking spot. But I got to put this shit on this. Uh, put this shit on this windshield thing here. But I'm going to move this vehicle because it's 11.30 p.m. Well, 11.32. I owe this episode to myself. But more importantly, the people that listen, because like I said, my shit, my, my move going forward is just to be completely transparent with y'all. Motherfucker was going through some shit the past two days. And it, the only way that I can describe it, it's like a, it's like a depressed form of critical thinking. You understand? It's a depressed, it's a depression form of critical thinking. Now, critical thinking, for me, I mean, this is essentially beyond, I would assume, brainstorming, but I would think it's on the same fucking, like, the same level, right? Where brainstorming, you're kind of just thinking about something, you're thinking about, you're thinking about shit as like for preparation, right? But the other way around, it's kind of like, you know, almost last resort type shit. So that whole, like, like that being alone shit, like, see, like me, I'm, I'm driving around because like naturally I would be, I would be considered a, I'm, I already consider myself a doer, but like, I'm the like millennial, I'm the millennial loner, right? And there's a lot of millennial loners, but I'm like the stoner loner, you know what I mean? Matter of fact, there isn't no, um, there's no parking spots. They got all these motherfuckers out here. Most of these people that, that park in this area, they don't live out here. Well, they do, but motherfuckers be living, like, two blocks away. 
and they be parking as if like I'm just gonna park right here. They be parking as if they live in a fucking neighborhood. Some motherfuckers double park. Like yo, some niggas out here can't fucking drive, man. Word up, man. Anyway, let's get into the video again. Where I disagree with this whole notion is just because someone now has the freedom to do something doesn't necessarily mean they should utilize it and also doesn't mean it won't have negative impacts. Just a quick example, in most countries upon turning 18, you are given the freedom to drink, smoke and gamble. But just because you have been given the option to take advantage of these freedoms doesn't necessarily mean you should or they don't come with consequences. Now on to reason two, the explosion of online dating. There's two points related to this one. First, online dating allows anonymous casual intimacy. Why is this important? Well, despite saying in the last point that judgments that come with engaging in casual intimacy as a woman have greatly diminished in recent times, this doesn't mean it has disappeared completely. In this survey showing the concerns men and women have over casual intimacy, we see that still, 27% of women have a concern of being labelled promiscuous. This is two and a half times higher than the percentage for men. However, online dating has more or less made this concern redundant due to its perk of anonymity. In today's dating market, a woman can freely sleep with multiple guys in a short period of time without anyone in her close social circle even knowing. And, and that right there, shout out to Wheat Waffles. We still, you know, the black pill, like I said, is very useful, but a lot of this shit, man, for a lot of people who aren't ready for it. See, I think for me, I could deal with it because I've been in relationships and a lot of the relationships weren't good. I've always talked about how the first relationship was always the most comfortable. I wouldn't say it's the best relationship. It was the best, but it was the most comfortable relationship. It's almost nostalgia now that I bring it up because like where I'm at right now, I she, this bitch used to pull up some I forgot what kind of car that shit was. Real beat up car. It's like a Cavalier, an old Cavalier. But um, she used to top me off every time. She was a freak. She took she took my virginity. But it was just such a it was it was a relationship, but it was also casual. It was laid back. Until you know she got clingy. It was one of those. It was one of those situations where. She fucked around, took my virginity, and pretty much turned me into a sex addict. This bitch would, I mean, just a great interaction and experience compared to all the other relationships. So, like, for me, that harsh reality of knowing today, because, like I said, in those relationships that I was in, we're talking eight years ago. So, eight years ago was my last relationship, seven, eight years. And then before that, uh, yeah, there's a there was there was a lot of spaces throughout that time where I was just alone anyway. So I kind of just dealt with that. It was just as the dating market and social media became a thing, I realized that 
me putting in any effort in just one woman, even though I am naturally monogamous, my pleasure, I mean, it would be, it wouldn't be a fantasy. Like I said, threesomes, guys, I mean, depending on how you set it up, it might work for you. For me, it didn't really work the way I wanted to. And plus the other chick, the other chick was very sneaky. The other bitch was very sneaky. So she was she was trying to get dicked on the side. And even then, you know, I, I just cheating to me is unless there's I wouldn't say that there's exceptions to the rule, but there's things that would be more acceptable in that aspect of cheating for other people than me. Like me cheating, it would be it would take away the point of being in that relationship. So, if I would ever get an urge to, you know, I would have to control that. But that promiscuity today means like you being that guy doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be that woman for you. You can attend to a woman, but not necessarily know if she's going to attend and be down for you in the long run. Which nine times out of ten doesn't happen. The dating, the dating market proves that very harsh, very brutal realities. Like I said, a lot of guys, you know, they've getting, they've gotten, you know, all these ads. It's the same with like incels. They get like suey fuel, which is essentially like, let you guys figure it out. Look it up. You know, I have to talk in code because I don't want to bring up too much touchy subjects, but. It's like it's suey fuel to a lot of these fucking subhumans. By a woman's standard, like I said, these guys are subhumans. They're failures. But then at the same time, a guy like me or a guy who's, you know, average or above average, um, they're 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 seen as the invisible men too. So what happens now is the women are free to do whatever they want. They can sleep around and still consider themselves single. This is why, quote unquote, loneliness for women is almost non-existent unless you are completely obese. And even if you're obese, there's a guy that's going to fuck you. There's a guy that's going to compliment you um, versus a guy. Yeah, you're 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 fucked. Game over. Throwing the towel. You know what I mean? Throwing the fucking towel. This is especially true if she lives in a large city like L.A., London or New York. Whereas previously, if a woman wanted to be promiscuous, for the most part, she had to rely solely on the guys within her social circle, which would come with the risk of words spreading around fast if her partner bragged about it to his friends. The second point related to online dating is just the sheer number of options out there for a woman. 50 years ago, a woman may have only had a handful of guys in her social circle, and out of these, she may have only found one or two attractive. So even if we put aside all of the other blockers and barriers, at most, a woman would have ended up with a single digit partner count if she went with every guy in her social circle she found attractive. Now, I will mention something else that I just thought about. This is 50s... You talk about 50 something years. Did he say 50 years ago? So what's 50 years ago? Uh, tens, zeros, 90s, 80s, 70s. That's the 70s. Okay. That's just like the dawn 
of birth control, which was like um, 1968, if I'm not mistaken, um, birth control. Once that happens, that was just the beginning. Like now going forward today, you have you have the freedom from that time point to prevent, you know, childbirth and and prevent embarrassment in the communities at those particular time points. Now, today, as he said earlier, all of this shit is celebrated for being promiscuous. And not only that, but you have the ability to abort the baby, have all these contraceptives, but that freedom, right? You know, that, that, that instant selection that a woman essentially has as being a presence on a dating app versus a man. A man has to be to the max to essentially have the credibility of a lot of women today on those dating apps. Now, the dating apps itself give women the freedom of finding a guy who wants to fuck them without even leaving the house. The guy is almost, in a lot of ways, and this sounds fucked up to say, the guy is actually better off just going out there and approaching women. Yeah, to be cooped up in the house like a woman is on a dating app because she's going to get validation and attention ASAP. You're going to be there unless you're a nigga that's really up there. And like I said, a lot of guys just aren't, uh, they're not MVPs. A lot of guys aren't, aren't the most valuable players. The world needs uh, ditch diggers too. The problem is the women who are essentially ditch diggers and toilet scrubbers in the same fucking in the same position and on the same playing field that you have, their expectations are way too high. And a man will naturally bring their expectations down to the fucking floor just to pick up a a, 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 a bottom shelf Becky just to have something warm next to. Meanwhile, today, a woman is exposed to hundreds of guys every single week through online dating and social media, of whom there will be dozens that she finds attractive and willing to make something happen. So a woman could quite easily rack up double digits, if not triple digits within the space of just a few years if she wanted to. So that's reason two, now moving on to reason three. Hyperinflation slash chad chasing. Chad. This point may be a little tricky to explain, chad. so bear with me. Chad. You've probably seen this video. Chad chasing, dude. The CC, the cock carousel, aka the chad chasing. I like that. This nigga said chad chasing. But of mine before. Eight reasons ugly women chad. think they're a 10. It's my most popular video at 400,000 views and counting. If you've not seen it, the overarching idea is that right now in the current dating market, we're currently seeing hyperinflated values across the board of how attractive women think they are. The majority of women now see themselves as two to three points above what they really are. And the problem this leads to is this gives a lot of women a false sense of entitlement. They think they're deserving of the top guys. However, the only way most of them can get their hands on said top guys is by being very open and physically available. I'll put it this way. For a man at the top, he can pretty much get any girl he wants. So, if a girl comes along to him and she's being flaky, iffy and slow to move, 
Then the man will have no issue whatsoever cutting her off early as he knows he'll have loads more options waiting for him who will move faster. It's a basic rule of nature that power always falls into the hands of those with abundance and options. So, from the woman's point of view, the only way for her to stay competitive is to be really physically available and generous towards the guy. And a lot of the time, she will do this even if it contradicts the standards she would usually hold against guys. A woman may say, Oh, I don't sleep with guys until at least the third date. Even though she might have done it on the first date in the past. I mean, there's no might involved, dude. Today... And it's not like every woman's doing this, but you have to really assume to this point where we're at that a woman is capable of doing this. Right? So she can and this is the this is the average online dating profile. I don't sleep on the first date. No hookups. Only serious, right? You can tell when a woman's talking like that, that she's already had hookups. She's already had one night stands. She's already had the sneaky links. And you, as the guy approaching her, unless you are that attractive. Now, of course, she's going to break rules for the quote unquote alphas and make rules for the quote unquote betas. Yes, all of that shit still is a thing. Even though the people that say it, they might be a little bit fraudish, but we're not going to get into that. And the reason this happens is not because she's changed her standards since then. Rather, it's because she knows she wouldn't have had a chance of seeing the guy again if she didn't let loose early. Remember, women break rules for alphas and make rules Uh for betas. Slat. Slat. And when every woman thinks she's entitled to an alpha, you will see rules being broken in the masses. Bottom line, hyperinflation encourages women to be more promiscuous in order to stay competitive and keep the delusion going that this will allow them to get who they don't deserve. Anyway, those are the first three points of the video. So if you've enjoyed it up to this point, now is a good time to press the like button and leave any thoughts you have in the comments below as it helps the YouTube algorithm. Now on to reason four, birth control. Uh This point is simple. The fact... Uh Uh-oh. He did it. Shout out to Wheat Waffles. He mentioned it. That nowadays we have wide and readily available forms of birth control has reduced the risks of promiscuity to a minimum. 100 years ago, the main risks associated with promiscuity were unintended pregnancies, STIs, and social repercussions. Mm. So, even if a woman desired to be promiscuous, there's a high chance she would refrain from doing so due to the high risks involved. However, today, these risks aren't really relevant anymore. We've already established in reason one of this video that this last point isn't as much of a concern. And as for the other two, modern science and medicine has allowed these risks to be reduced to pretty much zero at as low of a possible price. In fact, in the United Kingdom, my country, women can get birth control for free. And with 15 methods to choose from, there has never been a lower barrier to entry for a woman to be freely promiscuous without risk of consequences. I didn't know the nigga was from the UK. Shout out to the UK. There's a lot of cats out there from the UK that I fuck with. Uh, 
King Riches, I think his name is I forgot. I forgot his new name. But um Replicant Fish. Couple other dudes, man, from the UK that I fuck with, man. That's in the uh male space, different sectors here. This isn't just a uh, you know, that's why I changed the name from Red Pill Party to uh, Crimson Capsule Chapel, mostly because I, I, I'm i seeing what the Red Pill is becoming, and I'm seeing a lot of these guys who claim to be, you know, about the community, and what it really breaks down to is they're just really about trying to get the next man's money. You know what I mean? A lot of real experiences are not being displayed. Um, a lot of hard times is not being displayed. It's like everybody has to come on and essentially be robotic to where, you know, everything is just fine. You can't talk about a bad time. You can't talk about your seven days when you were out there fucking around, doing dumb shit. Everybody just comes on here as if they're fucking invincible. Knowing damn well at times they they they're suffering deep down inside. You know what I mean? When you're by yourself, when when you when you have to put on that mask as a man, we put on a uh, almost a mental, psychological, and emotional mask. A woman literally just paints her face. That's the mask that she literally puts on the mask. The man's mask is more on that term. You know. A man will probably deal with so much pressure from society that by himself he may break down because he knows he can't do that publicly. You can't do that under any circumstances unless, you know, well, there's a lot of circumstances, you know, family members dying, shit like that. Like, yeah. But, you know, as a man, you can't just break down and cry. You can't just break down and give up and say, fuck it in society. Because the first person that's going to criticize you is a woman. Right? But they'll tell you that, you know, uh, gender roles and all that shit don't exist. But they still expect you to be the man, right? Very interesting. Reason number five. The ever-increasing party phase. 50 years ago, the average age of marriage for women was 21 years old. Today, that number is at 30 and climbing. Mm. Part of the reason for this is because most women nowadays want to live their 20s as a so-called party phase, entailing traveling... Ho phase, okay? This is the ho phase, gentlemen. I haven't played this sound in a while. I haven't played really any sounds in this episode besides, uh, besides the shit in the beginning. But this is the phase that we call... The CC, and not just Chad chasing, the cock carousel. Alright? That's her whole phase. She gonna do that. I mean, today, let's just be real. I mean, today, uh, women, young teens is going through that phase, probably 16, 17. Probably earlier than that, but let's just be, you know, let's be, let's be fair here. A little fair. You know, 16, 17, a, a, a young teen can be going through that phase. Seriously. With everything going on today, with social media being what it is, um, you, have put, you have to put into accountability that 
a child that's 16, 17 can create a Tinder account, right? You see what I'm getting at? So, you know, who knows? Like, like this, it's just bad. Like I said, generations fucked. College parties, hot girl summer vacations, and the like. Then, it's only when they reach their 30s or over, they need to worry about finding a man to settle down with, getting married, having kids, and the rest of it. I'm going to elaborate a bit more on this point about college. So, a lot of you may already know that today's generation has higher college admission rates than any other time frame in history. And this might not seem like too much of an important factor at first glance. But guys, I want you to trust me. I've been to university for the last eight months. And however crazy you think the dating scene is at colleges slash universities, I want you to multiply it by 10. Just watch the clip from the beginning again. This woman went from a partner count of zero before college all the way up to 35 during her time. And a few of the reasons this happens is because, one, most students live away from home, therefore there's less awkwardness to worry about with regard to parents. Two, there is an absurd amount of young, fit and attractive people all concentrated in one place. Again, this goes back to the point talked about earlier about a woman having an abundance of options. And three, there is this well-regarded notion that university is a place where everyone can go wild and let their inner desires run free, which basically means it's acceptable for a woman to go with whoever, whenever, with no consequence. So the point is, today's young women are living in a completely different landscape compared to how women were brought up 50 years ago. And on top of that, she can, she can deal with numerous consequences but she doesn't really deal with them does she she doesn't have accountability what's what's the consequences when when you don't necessarily take accountability for shit you see what i'm saying so now you've unlocked this portal from hell that gives the women the capability to essentially do what the fuck they want and when they fuck up in life when they become single mothers when they get unexpected pregnancy and they they want to, you know, keep the guy, even though the guy clearly doesn't want to be around. That's when she'll have the child and try to keep that man. And, you know, pretty much uh, the court's going to fuck him over in the long run anyway. So it's all favored in a lot of ways towards women. Now, a lot of guys will say, you sound like a men's rights activist, which I'm not. Because I know most of them niggas in the, in the very beginning were like second wave feminists anyway. See what I mean? So, no, I'm not. Feminism. Today's wave of feminism cannot be accepted by modern men. Men today, if they accept it, they will essentially be feminized by proxy. There's already an agenda going on to sort of the masculine men are always going to be the guys who are going to get fucked by women, but they're toning it down within the entertainment world where a lot of guys are going to appear more feminine. The fashion's going to be more feminine. And if a guy talks about how much of a sissy a straight man looks and all of a sudden he's homophobic. So there's, there's, there's so many snares 
that is being created. And I think women today, they have all of the capabilities to go around, make these countless mistakes, sleep with terrible guys who they will. And I'm not saying this about the guys. I'm saying this in the, on behalf of a woman. She, regardless of the guy's good looking or not, later on, that guy's going to be the same nigga who ain't shit to the bitch. See, that's 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 kind of how shit works out. Um, it's a very deep, dark, depressing time for a lot of guys who are really trying to find somebody. Not not just bodies, like somebody in general. Um, the separation is a big deal, and online dating doesn't help when women are completely focused on only the top guys. So the woman who's overweight and who ain't shit in life, she's going to actually believe that she is capable of finding the top guy because of these dating apps and the attention that she gets. She gets attention from guys who are obviously better off in life than she is. It's just she may not realize that she's only just, you know, a cum dumpster, a temporary cum dumpster, if need be. And I'm not saying this on my behalf. I've said this before. I'd rather die alone than fuck with a landwell. And I'm being 100% sincere. Okay? I'm not even joking. Um, a lot of guys, yo, most niggas, they're going to aim down because most of, all, most of them are fucking pathetic human beings. And I'm not saying this to say that I'm any better. I'm a piece of shit in my own right. But my desperation doesn't come down to fucking landwells. Some guys... They're going to say, fuck it. I don't got any looks. Some guys may look at themselves as gen- uh, genetic failures. You know what I'm saying? They're not <laughs> genetic inferior beings. Like, they're not going to have any real game, quote unquote, to deal with. So, they're not going to have looks. They're not going to have genetics. They're going to try to deal with a fat bitch. They're going to deal with an ugly bitch. Or, like that clip said, he's going to deal with fat bitch and ugly bitch. Because that's his best option. Guys are going to take whatever they can. Ironically enough, women, on the other hand, their head is to the clouds. They want to find, you know, highest paid, highest successful, highest level guy. And, you know, these women just aren't capable of it. Now, they'll be, they may get fucked by a guy who's like a couple notches under him. And even he's not going to look at her as anything special. Before, a woman had at most, like what, only a few years in the dating market to see who's around before getting married? But nowadays, a woman has an entire decade to see as many guys as she wants in prime environments like universities and hot girl summer vacations with little to no urgency of needing to find a life partner. Today's women can now pass all of that to their 30s, by which point their best years are already behind them, which, as shown by the chart, only seems to be worsening. Finally, moving on to reason number six, male thirst. Believe it or not, men are also part of the problem. Because, let's be honest, if other men weren't so thirsty... If men, as a collective, didn't take their chance with every woman that gave the slightest amount of attention, then we wouldn't have this issue. Sips are a bigger issue than the thotties. I've said this on multiple occasions, and I do mean what I say when I say this. Sips are the fuel to the cash app donations, 
the Twitch live, uh, the Twitch stream donations, the OnlyFans subscriptions, the Pornhub subscriptions. I mean, Pornhub is free. Motherfuckers are getting premium just to support a particular cum-guzzling porn star. You cannot make this shit up. We are in a dark age right now. Men are men are simps are like a part of the problem. If not, like they are the ones that continue the problem. Because what if all these men decided, you know what? Instead of supporting this woman who's taking her clothes off and getting money from other niggas, I'm gonna focus on what I need to do. I'm gonna put this money towards something productive, something that I want in life. Rather than wasting on a bitch that you're not fucking like what? How despicable do we have to be? Like, that's degenerate shit. It's not guys like the guy who's out there fucking women like and like think about it like this. The guy who's fucking women and who's considered the, the, the dog and the trash. That's the guy who's fucking the women. <laughs> it's not the guy who's nice and generous. He's not the one fucking all the women. He's the one depressed by himself, angry, confused, doesn't know what 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 exactly he's doing wrong. He's not the guy in the driver's seat. Ironically enough, it's the guy who's the asshole. It's the guy who has multiple sexual partners because these women view that as attractive. It's natural. But what women don't understand, and I brought this up on numerous occasions as well, that a bitch racking up bodies is not impressive to a man. Even hold my hands up myself that I've contributed to this problem before. Here's a quick story. At this particular point in my life, it'd be fair to say I was going through what many would call a dry spell. Mm. And we all know what happens to guys during a dry spell. Mm. Standards go down and desperation goes up. Anyway, I was at this bar and already had a few drinks. Then later in the night, this woman, who I could see was a little overweight, started having a conversation and flirting with me. Anyway, as the interaction progressed, I was thinking the whole time in the back of my mind whether I'd be willing to go the full way or not if the opportunity arose. Well, in the end, one thing led to another, and desperation ended up getting the better of me. <laughs> Biggest mistake Mwah. of my life. Mwah. I woke up in the morning sincerely regretting my decision, Mwah. and knew from this point on, Mwah. if I ever found myself in the same position, I'd never let it happen again. Anyway, the point of the story is, if all guys from this day forward adopted this mindset, we wouldn't see anywhere near as big of a problem as we do today. In fact, this one thing, men refusing to lower their standards, I believe could single-handedly fix every issue we are seeing in the dating market right now. Now, that aspect, I, I don't necessarily agree with. The, you can't really change the dating market at this point. It's already a well-oiled machine. So at this point going forward, you you just have to roll with the punches. Guys like myself, like I don't even waste my time on dating apps. It's just going to be an all-in-all disappointment. And I'm just being honest with myself. I know I'm not an MVP-ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm not an MVP-ass nigga. And I'm not even going to try to promote myself as one. And I know where the expectations is at, and I'm not going to be, I'm not willing to sign up to run an obstacle course 
just to get some um, used up vag. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's just the reality of it. Oh, yeah, women. Oh, well, that's you're just insecure. Bitch, shut up. You're the one that's fucking and sucking all these niggas. You're the insecure one, stupid bitch. Don't sit back. Don't sit back and try to, you know, try to perpetuate this shit as, you know, guys who speak out about this shit is wrong. I mean, we might say it incorrect, but from my perspective, I don't give a fuck how bitch it feels about what I say and how I say it. Because the only person that's going to get upset with this is a woman who's participating in these type of activities. And I don't know what to fucking tell you. I'll tell you how the pattern goes, right? Trust me, I've I've lived. Through, through my 20s, I've seen the stages of broken, bitter fee-fails. Female failures start off and sort of this slut phase. When I was growing up in like middle school and in a small portion of high school before like MySpace and shit became a thing. So a slut was just essentially a woman who was talking to multiple guys. Now, depending on how you look at it, it's the same idea of a whore, right? A whore is a woman who sleeps with a bunch of guys for profit. An attention whore is a woman who deals with any guy for attention. And that attention plays a role as clout. So now you have to also tie in the idea that a woman is going on a dating app just to get her rocks off, just to get that dopamine that we were talking about, just to get that uh, that constant attention from men. And we're not just talking about six, seven, and eights. We're talking about five and belows because the desperation of men keeps this shit going. See where I'm getting? Like, like this all ties in. It's been a while. I wanted to come on here, regardless of what time it is when I'm done. It's actually 12.09, so I'm getting ready to wrap this shit up. But I wanted to be able to come on here and let y'all motherfuckers know that I'm doing fine. You know what I'm saying? You know, going through shit. As all of us do. Some of us can just deal with it every day. A lot of us need time to really... I think it was a grieving process for me. Because when when I'm when I get really depressed, I think about my best friend, well, you know, rest in peace. Um you know, I think about a lot of people who are no longer here. You see what I mean? And and a part of me feels angry because I feel the way that I felt to where sometimes I just want all this shit to end. And I feel selfish because of all the people who wanted to live and just couldn't, they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't cope. They couldn't find things to occupy their mind, man. That loneliness catches up to a man. You know, trust me, I know. Because the things that I dealt with today, the things that I've dealt with recently was the same things that I've dealt with in the past. It's just as I get older, you know, you don't you're not as strong as you used to be. You're you're wise. You're mature in a lot of ways, but you're not as tough. You're not as youthful. 
And it's not as dramatic as women getting older because women are the ones that need all the cosmetics to be who they are. A man is a man. So a man will take the scars, the cuts, the bruises, and will show it like a man. He won't cover it up. See what I mean? I think the scars from within. The scars that is inside of a man. The scars of what a man's gone through emotionally, uh, psychologically, that most women don't understand. They'll never understand it. But as long as I can be transparent and be 100 with y'all, not always come on here and make jokes, not always come on here and, you know, talk bullshit, really talk some serious subjects. And I think it's easier that we as men, still being men, but being able to express ourselves and not and not really care about judgment. You reach a certain point, like I said, if if I'm eight years single. So it's like in a way I say, well, what's another eight years? Because that time, that's the thing with time, man. Time is a motherfucker. Time is a motherfucker. You know what I mean? You'll see people like you. My thing is with me getting older, the thing that always like kind of was kind of crazy to me is to see like my nieces and nephews grow up and like being in high school and shit. And it's like, what the fuck did time go? All my time was pretty much dealt with just working, grinding, and just trying to get my mind off of bullshit. Like I said, that shit can catch up to a man as he gets older. And I think today, everything, everybody's like separated. I know I'm separated. I'm isolated from people because it's if, if I dealt with somebody before, if, I don't, if I'm not dealing with them today, there's a reason why. And I kind of want to keep it that way. You feel me? But... A serious, thought-provoking episode. I will have this uploaded. Well, I'll have this uploaded later on, like eight, nine hours from now. But as always, in the meantime and in between time and until next time, it's Jersey Judah with another episode of the Crimson Capsule Chapel. If you guys are going through hard times, if you guys are struggling you guys don't know what the fuck you're going to do, just realize that you're never alone. It's just a lot of people aren't going to be transparent and keep it real with you and tell you that as a person, you know, I've been through those same situations and still I'm not 100% certain, but I, I, I know that I have to keep going and you have to do the same. But until then, I'm out. Peace.